Uh, welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I am Andrew Comero. I'm an autistic certified financial planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, everyone. I'm Eileen Lamb. I'm an author and photographer from France living in Austin, Texas. And in this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but real people talking about their boring life or not boring. We want to give a voice to people like us. And today our guest, guest is Cess Garner. Cess, uh, do you want to introduce yourself to our listener? Yes. Hello, I'm Seth Garner and I am an autistic college student who is majoring in radiologic technology. I also have an interest in music theory and medical science, obviously, since I'm majoring in radiologic technology and NASCAR. Current hyperfixation is VHS tapes and VCRs and old technology. These are awesome interests and we're going to talk about them more because we want to hear more about those VHS tapes and all of that. Uh, but before we start, we need to ask you, what are your preferred pronouns and how do you, do you identify autistic person, person with autism? Um, my pronouns are he, him, and I, and I identify as I switch like just about every single time I say I'm autistic. I'm like, hi, I'm Seth and I'm autistic. Hi, I'm Seth and I have autism. I don't have a preference. It's really just a label for a neurotype and that's all there is to it. Some scientists, oh, some scientists believe that autism could be the next evolution in human. There could be a world full of autistic people one day and it could be weird to be neurotypical in a hundred years. Like, oh, you don't have sensory issues? That's so weird. <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, a whole host of, whole host of reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when were you diagnosed with autism? I was, I was actually um, undergoing evaluations as early as when we first noticed my sensory issues, which I had quite the medical story from like when I was born, because I was born a month early. It was like 34 weeks, I think, is what my mom said. And um, we, we noticed in my early life that I had sensory issues. And those kind of never went away. So I had therapy for those. And I also had evaluations at Kennedy Krieger, the Center for Autism. And because I was assigned female at birth, they didn't really want to give me the diagnosis right away. So they diagnosed me with pervasive developmental delay, which was my diagnosis until I was 15 years old. And a social worker saw my signs of autism, a social worker that was working with my family for completely different reasons saw the signs of autism in me and saw that I was transgender and said, well, how about we go and I refer you to this doctor at Children's Hospital who is doing a research study between the link of being on the link of being transgender and the link between being autistic. I've actually been a part of three research studies in my lifetime and I'm 19 years old. Um, so actually, medical history comes in so handy if you're a trans person like like if you have had like my parents my mom had infertility issues so she had a lot of testing before she had me and they were actually going to do artificial they were actually going to do IVF or um artificial insemination and so they could get pregnant and um they had genetic testing too 
on me when I was really, really little, like in still in her womb, I think. And um, there was also, like I was assigned female at birth and my thing, the way my fingers look, how this finger is like the same height as this one or longer, it, it shows signs of prenatal testosterone exposure. And because of my mom's um, miscarriages, some of them were male. And so we think that the male hormones mixing with my body were one of the reasons why I turned out to be trans. And there's actually a study going on right now about that. And we won't know for several, for several years if that makes a difference, but we think it could. My mom actually asked that question to my neuropsych and she gets full credit for asking that question. But what I'm saying is I have a very masculine body even though I was born female. And even though I'm not currently on hormones, like you can see that I have an Adam's apple and I have some facial hair right here, but you can't really see it on camera, but it's there. And, um, and you know, it's so cool that I actually had the answer to the question of, could I be intersex? But the answer is no. My hormone, my, my chromosomes are XX and they aren't XXY. Do you think you would encourage other um, people considering transitioning, whether autistic or not, to look into that history? Or would it, or is it, may not... Or, be relevant or could there be downsides to doing that for other people if you can imagine that well it, it's not necessary for everybody but for me it um it kind of like having that information was really useful for me because of the way that you know it's just a really good thing I turned out to be trans because if I turned out to be a cis female there are there would be a lot of parts of my body that I wouldn't like but because I turned out to be a trans male I actually really like it. I really like the parts of my body that are masculine. That's so great to hear. And your family was supportive from what's- Oh, yes. Experience. My mom and my parent and my dad were like super supportive and, but my extended family took them a while to get used to it. And my dad actually hid the fact that I was autistic from my extended family. And they found out when I was 16, and they had a whole discussion about it that didn't include me. Because my mom sent an email to my aunt, to my aunt Bunny. That's what I call her. Her name is actually Karen, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she, she sent an email to my aunt Karen about, um, because my aunt Karen allegedly called me mentally ill at a family gathering when I was 16. She was just like, aren't you, but aren't you mentally ill? And I was like, I'm autistic. There's a difference. Like, there is a difference between being mentally ill and being autistic. And you can be both, but I am, Just I'm autistic and I have ADHD. And those are my two mental diagnoses. And anxiety, but I've greatly improved that. Yeah, I think a lot of people who have autism also have anxiety. I have a diagnosis of a general anxiety disorder too. And I know a lot of people in the autism community do. I don't know how it's linked, but it is somehow. 
when did uh, did you know? Did you feel that you? I don't know the, the right word, so forgive me if I'm saying something that's not correct, but when did you know you were not a girl that you, you wanted to be? Um, whenever my mom put my hair up, um, I, I really like cars and trucks my entire childhood. And my, when my mom would put my hair up, I would take it out and I would, you know, I would throw it. And my mom thought that was a sensory issue, but, and then she would like be like, oh, look, it's green. It's your favorite color. Or look, it's Christmas red. You have to wear it. And I was like, you know, and, you know, I felt guilty. So I would make her put the bow back in my hair because I was, I was a pretty, I was a pretty sweet child. I would, um, I would, you know, I'd feel guilty and I would, you know, give it to her to put it back in my hair. And she would put it back in my hair and I would wear it even though I wasn't completely happy wearing it. And when I was eight years old, I finally had the words to like sit down and talk with my mom, like, hey, this isn't working for me. Like, I, I can't, I can't wear dresses. I, I don't want my hair to be this long anymore. And I want, I don't want to do it to look like a boy. I want to do it to look like me. Well, how did that go? She was supportive. Right oh, away. it went amazing. She, we, um, within the next, within, within that same week, we had like, I already had the appointment to, to um, get my hair cut and I already had all the clothes that were masculine and she didn't gender my clothing. She didn't gender my clothing. She didn't gender my hair. So she, she threw gender roles out the window and said like, screw that because I didn't want to follow them. I thought they were stupid. That's amazing that you had a supportive family. I know it's. And that's how all parents are raising their kids. Now my mom was parenting in 2020 in from since 2002. And I just think that's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm so glad you had a supportive, mostly supportive family. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I've been waiting for this one. So before we started recording, um, we were you were saying that something, and, and you said it a little bit when we first started, that something wasn't a special interest. It was a hyperfixation. Yeah, it was a hyperfixation. Me and old you, technology is a hyperfixation because I don't have a special interest in it. So how do you define the difference? I, I'm... I'm curious i've just never heard that before so oh, special interest is different from a hyperfixation because a hyperfixation is like a hyperfixation is you can't stop looking at something even though you're on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah it's it's different from a special interest for anyone it just listening amount of time Seth is holding a vhs tape that he just bought today which he said is one of his, if anyone's only listening. So yeah, for context, um, okay. <laughs> I'm holding a VHS tape that I got today. And it um, is a hyperfixation of mine because I, I was thinking about it and I was like, I really want to watch a VHS. I really want to watch a VHS. And so my mom said, so I, I come into my mom's room at like 10 o'clock at night and I was like, mom, I really want to watch a VHS. And she said, okay, we could probably arrange that. So she got it for you. Um, we went to the thrift store and looked for tapes and I got this one and I got this one and I got this, which I'm probably not going to be able to sit through because now, now when it comes to something like, like older technology, 
Is it the technology itself that interests you? Do you like watching the videos on it? So for example, I've it's met just individuals. It's a physical object. Like it's I physical like object. it's a physical object that I can hold. Yeah. And I'm a very kind of tactile person. I really like to hold stuff and like, like, like this contains something that I can watch. And it's more interesting than a DVD because it's a, it's a brick. <laughs> it's a brick that will play a video and it's just so neat. I don't know. Does being a fast typist relate to being a pianist? Does it have something to do with the steam and the tactile sensation of the fingers? Oh, and the fact that um, it has to do with, it's actually three things. The tactile sensation, the fact that I'm a very fast thinker and like really, like really want to get my ideas out there. And the fact that I can just type and the letters will appear and it's just so perfect. There's just something so perfect about typing on a keyboard and I just love it. And especially, I, I can't stand when a keyboard is jammed and like the letters don't work because I need to type this out. It has to be fast because I'm thinking and I'm thinking so fast because um, I'm also ADHD and I am very, very, very just, I want to think about this. And I want to type it out and I want to get it out as fast as I can. Especially if I'm super excited about something. How did you learn piano? I taught myself. First part of it's math and it's just notes. All about music theory. And it gets way into the nitty gritty stuff that you don't learn unless you're in college for this kind of thing. What's What interests you about it? It's a way for me to interact with music without having to be around a keyboard. I can still do music just by looking at this and by reading it. What does that mean? I, I can't even imagine that. And, and it's not in a bad way, but maybe help our, the listeners too. Like, what does it mean to interact with music from a book? Can you describe it for us? Like, you'll know why you can... You can think about um, all the chord progressions, which is really cool because chord progressions are so neat. And um, most of your modern chord progressions will be like one, four, five, one, or four, one, five, six in modern music, which I don't like modern music. I like choral music, which also has some basic chord patterns, but the vocal technique and the, um, and the music and like, the musical elements and the more um is dictated in your music the less freedom you have to make it your own unless you rewrite it and edit it which i have done and the least that's written on your music gives you the more gives you more room for improvisation more room for improvisation like music can you hear it when i read music can i hear it um sometimes um I actually have more ear training than I give myself credit for because I remember sight reading this one piece of music on Instagram at 3 a.m. because I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I was like, hmm, the music theory song, I wonder how this looks. And I was like, and I can hear it like in my head. And, I, and then I pulled it up on YouTube and I was like, I just was, I wanted to scream, but it was the middle, it was the dead middle of the night. So... I held back and I was just like, so I laid there for 
a good few minutes just in total shock that I had just read this and heard it in my head and it was perfect. I'd read it in the exact right pitch and everything. It was, it was amazing. And then I also gave myself homework, which is in this folder and, oh, Eileen, this piece is in French. Oh, what is it? Les chansons de... Les chansons des roses. Yeah. What you said. <laughs> what I said. Les chansons this des roses. This is the um, fifth movement. I can't read music. No, the read the title. Direton. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's by my favorite composer, Morton Lordson, who wrote You're on the Shining Night, which is one of my favorite songs by him. I love uh, Eric Satie. I don't know if you know you know him. I've heard of him. He's amazing. You should listen to him. I will put that on my list. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll... I gave myself homework and I completed a good, there's still some stuff in here that I have to complete. And I wrote all over this paper. What do you write about? Um, if anyone here listening is a music major, um, I hope you feel seen by this. Seth's theory. In the third example, the chord could either be a diatonic chord in E harmonic minor, or it could be a secondary chord one slash five, depending on how it's used. The chord in the third example. You just like to study it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and to you, that's a special interest and not an hyper fixation? It's a special interest, yes. So question for you on typing and old technology because I know nothing about music or well if I do I, I can't I, I I am paid money not to sing so it's quite the opposite um I should start paying my mom to not sing <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the money for that sorry for mom, mom. <laughs> he's in the next room um if you listen to the podcast you'll know <laughs> Um, so as far, I, I'm really interested in the tactile sensation of being like stimming it in, especially with the keyboard and typing. So I have, if I have a two part keyboard question for you. Okay. <laughs> Cause I like technology a lot and I like some older technology, but I also like newer stuff too. I like newer um, stuff too, but like the old so, stuff. So question. So what type of keyboard do you use? Do you like a mechanical keyboard? See, I can't stand the sound. Even if I, and, and the feel of those like cherry keys, the mechanical keyboard. Uh, have you ever tried one of those? Like that oh, kind of reminds me. Um, they're all right sometimes, but not all the time. Okay. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. I don't know what you mean, but. <laughs> it's like, if that's like the keyboards at school were like that. And as long as they weren't jammed, I like them. No, I'm talking about the good ones, like the fancy ones, like the that are made with like the cherry, like wooden keys, like some gamers might use them. You know, they're, oh, they're a little bit yeah, more those expensive. Are, those are OK sometimes, but I prefer the um, I prefer a laptop keyboard. OK, yeah, the, the noise. They're fast. Bother me. Yeah, that's very true. So you were they're talking faster. about how you like, like the fat. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. But like it can't be but they have to be physical keys that you're able to push down. Yes. And do you type in Dorvik? I don't know what that means. So I Dorvik. Type it out <laughs> so, uh, you know, QWERTY, right? 
Oh, QWERTY. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and QWERTY, for anyone who doesn't know, is the, the first letters on the keyboard. And there was somebody who, and I feel like I just have sent Seth down a rabbit hole for the next month. So QWERTY was invented to uh, save either like space slash ink or to, it, it was designed with typewriters. Actually, it was designed so the keys wouldn't get jammed. I was going to I said stick. Didn't I say stick? Or, well, no, anyway. You didn't talk about how the keys would get jammed, but they yeah. would get well, jammed. Well, let me go back. So QWERTY was designed so keys wouldn't get jammed on a typewriter, but it wasn't necessarily the most efficient for typing. So the, so they came out with something called Dorvik, which you can get an overlay for any keyboard and you could change a keyboard for Dorvik. And it's supposedly, you know, faster and easier to type with a Dorvik layout versus a QWERTY I can't imagine without QWERTY. No, can't, even if it's faster and more efficient. I My muscle memory is already <laughs> geared up for QWERTY. Like, my muscle memory is already. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, oh my God. Have you seen people that type A, B, C, D, E, F, G? No, no, and I never want to. I so. don't either. I don't want to meet those people. <laughs> those people sound so scary. <laughs> like, like if you can type on a keyboard, like, like how you're supposed to type on a keyboard and it's laid out in alphabetical order. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Stay away from me. Even worse than the, what is it that you were talking about, Andrew? Dorvik. 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 Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I can live with those people. <laughs> sure. As I long as they respect the that I am a man who likes the QWERTY. Hi, Lane. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. Uh, so how is it being a young autistic in the current social and political climate? I just continue to advocate. I continue to help parents. I continue to... Like, I've actually been reached out to by parents of autistic children. And... So that just makes me so happy that I'm able to help. Yeah. Because I'm I'm a 19-year-old man in today's society who... I don't talk about politics or religion on the internet, but that doesn't mean that I don't have them. People often assume that just because I don't talk about politics and religion on the internet, it means that I don't have them. And it's like... Uh, that's not true. How do you, how are you able to still be a good advocate without fighting everyone on the internet and staying, you know, and avoiding all of those discussions? How are, how are you able to ignore it? A lot of us don't find it so easy. Um, and and we're, I'm looking up to you. I, I'm curious if you can help others. I mean, I don't get hate on the internet is one thing. I mean, I have. When I had um, religious queer in my bio on TikTok, I got endless comments of God doesn't love you and and stuff. So that's another reason why I don't talk about religion. But um, or I have been told, you know, I've been told once or twice, don't say person with autism. Don't say you're a person with autism. And I'm like, what's the big deal? There were there are a lot of people who weren't very nice to me in school. Yeah, how was that growing up for you being uh Oh, very hard. Um, eighth grade was the worst. I thought I was just making a big deal out of it. But when I told my mom about it, like a few years later, she was like, why didn't you tell me all of that was happening? And I was like, I thought I was being a baby about it. And like, the school wasn't doing anything for me. So I was, so I resorted to 
What was it saying to you? You're a dirty f you're a dirty queer, you, um, and you're not a real boy, and you never will be. Yeah, you know, I think it's important that we talk about these things because it shouldn't be happening. Exactly, and like, he, um, I remember it started in seventh grade around the end of the year. Um, he spoke only Spanish and someone was translating for him, but whenever the translator had to repeat something for him and they wanted me to repeat what I said, I said no, because he was kicking me under the table. The Jose was kicking me under the table. That was the bully's name and he only spoke Spanish at first and someone was translating for him. And when they wanted to hear what I had to say on the science stuff that we were working on, because we were in science class when this was happening, I said, no, I'm not going to repeat that. He's kicking me under the table. So why would I repeat it so he understands the assignment? Why should I help him when he's kicking me under the table? Did you get in trouble for that? Was there anything nope. there? It's good. Nobody got in trouble for anything. He didn't get in trouble for kicking me under the table, and I didn't get in trouble for not helping him. Do you think the school could do more the things? Could have done way more for me. They should have... They um they saw me as a burden ever since I got my IEP. They saw me as a burden and they were like, "This let's just get him to high school and he's not our problem anymore. And they did. And I was put in a science class for kids who didn't know how to act. And I was bored and having, I was butting heads with my science teacher every single day because I was way too smart for that class. But... This science teacher actually didn't hate me. As I, as I advanced through high school, I would come back into his classroom in the mornings and say hello to him a few times out of every month. And he would always be really happy to see me, which surprised me because I was like, I butt heads with you every single day and you, and you don't hate me over it. Like, ah. like he didn't tell me to go away. He, he, um, he was like, he was like, yeah, we all know you're brilliant. Like, and I think she used that to help people, which I did. Um, my classmates sitting next to me who are nice, I helped them and I helped them out a lot. That's, that's really nice. You know, I, I did the same thing when uh, I was in a, in a high school. Uh, I was terrible. I was so mean to teachers i would talk back and i would get in trouble i got expelled for a few suspended is what you say oh I, yeah about some of the stuff that happened to you in school i'm really really sorry but i laughed so hard at that one part in your book sorry that happened but oh my god that was so funny people started a petition in science class actually uh there was a little piece of paper being passed around in class and uh at some point, the teacher got it and he read it in front of the class and it said, uh, petition to get Eileen to start wearing a bra. Okay, someone who really helped me come out of my shell and be like social, someone who really taught me about, there are a few important people that have taught me how to be social. And they did that just because they, they loved me so much. And those people are Maisie, Atlas, Michael, and Caroline. All of my friends are older than me too. Like 
you're too mature for your age. I am too mature for my age, yes. Um, and sometimes, like, what I've noticed as an autistic individual is sometimes when you're legitimately trying to be nice to somebody, people still make fun of you. Like, this girl was playing piano, like, out of her piano book because she was in the piano class. And I was like, hey, that sounds really good. You should keep trying. And um, her friends were like, this boy believes in her. And I was like, of course I do. Like, she wants to learn. I believe in anybody who wants to learn. It just, and they just thought that, that was so funny. What's funny about that? What's funny about me giving a genuine compliment to somebody who I see is really trying to learn how to play an instrument? Like, she's playing an instrument. Why, why would they make fun of her? Why would they make fun of me? Like, I didn't understand, but um, that girl thought it was really nice. That's good. I'm, and I'm she good. said, you know, you're really nice. And I said, thank you. I, I try. And there's a whole list of reasons why I'm kind. Yeah. Well, we need more people like you because there are a lot of those other people. Uh... I find it very easy to ignore people that don't agree with me because although I had a really difficult time in choir class when we got a new director because these freshmen thought it was cool to pretend to be trans. And they were like, I'm trans, I can be, I'm like, and I said, excuse me, that's very offensive because you probably don't know this, but I'm an actual transgender man and I fought very hard for my right to sit here in the tenor section. But it wasn't all about gender equality. It was also about what's right because I mean, obviously you, you can listen to my voice and hear that it is not feminine. And granted, I worked hard to, it's androgynous even without me like doing my own vocal training. And it was always androgynous. It was never, it was never either way, but you know, now it's masculine. Yeah, and you don't take hormones, you said. How do you- actually, I'm actually getting back on hormones July 7th. Are you excited? I'm going to do androgen gel. And I'm very excited. Testosterone round two. I actually remember the first week on T. What was that I like? I thought my voice was changing. No, it wasn't. I ended up getting a cold from someone at driving school. <laughs> <laughs> Most people, actually, it's the other way around. They're like, they think that they were getting sick, but it's their voice changing. And I'm I was so disappointed. <laughs> And I still, I remember this so clearly because, but then the next week made up for it because I discovered some little facial hairs and I was like, oh my God, it is working. But yeah, injections just weren't working for me because I would forget. My mom was doing the injections for me. Oh, I should probably talk about how amazing my mom is. Yeah, that was the last question actually. How were you raised? Tell us. Oh my God, I was raised in the best possible way anybody could ever be raised. Mom, you're amazing. And I'm telling everybody <laughs> listening. So my mom is amazing. And she, she threw gender roles out the window as soon as she saw I was uncomfortable with them. She said, I'm never going to make you wear a dress ever again. And I ended up putting on a dress to have fun and experiment when I was eight years old. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, my God, you look so great. You know, I looked like a little boy in drag. I, look, I, I just had, um, when I was little, I had this hairstyle that was kind of a cross between a bowl cut and a mullet. 
it looked really cute on me at the time, but like I changed it when I hit 13 because I changed it to be something like this when I hit 13. Because it was like, you know, I'm a teenager now. I got to not look like a little boy anymore. But I still looked like a little boy until I was 15 or so. Still kind of do. But everybody likes it. So what is the one piece of advice you would give to either newer moms or or moms looking to be as amazing and supportive as you have described your mom to be? Because I think, again, growing up autistic and trans, um, those are two things where- Don't assume your kids can't do, don't put limits on your kids. My mom never told me I was different. She never said, oh, you can't do this. You're different. She, She just raised, she accommodated all of my needs behind the scenes. And that was just so unique. Like, she. But how do you think she balanced that, accommodating your needs without being what's the term? Helicopter parent, yeah, or overbearing? Because you're obviously, you know, you're in college, you're going to school for something that you're passionate about. You know, it looks like you have a future career ahead of you. So how, how I think a lot of even myself as a parent, um, you know, have trouble finding that balance of. I have no idea how she did it. She just, um, (laughs) but she, oh my God. And plus I've, I've such a limited diet too. And she would always cook something different for me. And I always appreciate that. But now I'm old enough to do that for myself. So if I were to summarize and I apologize for summarizing for you in advance, it sounds like she was accepting of who you were. She was supportive and encouraging and believing in you that that pretty much sums it up would you agree she believed in me and she was just she's amazing and I I can't imagine life without her and like she accommodated my needs behind the scenes without telling me that I was different I remember um when I figured out that I had ADHD I went and this leads me to how I found my identity as an autism advocate. Cause when I figured out I had ADHD, I was like, time to advocate for myself, time to know all about this. So I would research all about like every single thing. And when researching about my ADHD led me to researching about autism, I was like, these are words people use to describe me. And I remember just repeating to my mom, autistic children often avoid eye contact. Like I would say that to her a few times and I was like, And then I remember talking to my fourth grade teacher about a spelling test that I had totally passed, like passed with 100% flying colors because I was a really good speller, still am, because my mom gave me all the tricks to spelling. What do you like to do to relax? Um, I like to play my Switch and watch um, cartoons at the same time. And sometimes I'll play my Switch, watch medical documentaries at the same time. I like to watch medical documentaries. Like, like what type? Ta- like what type of medical documentaries? Like mostly on rare diseases. I am fascinated by rare diseases. So House must be one of your favorite TV shows, then, or do you hate it because it's like not as not that accurate? Okay, I like hate Grey's Anatomy. Okay, well that's okay. Sorry, um, I hate Grey's Anatomy. But <laughs> House for me, I just don't like Grey's Anatomy. It's more about drama than it is about actual medical stuff. However. The good doctor. Uh, yep. I am the ginger Sean Murphy. Okay. 
and my mom agrees. I am the ginger Sean Murphy. Hello, my name is Seth Garner. I'm a radiology tech here at Shady Grove Hospital. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say to people one day. I, I hope that happens for you. I, think I do not wanna work in the ER. Ugh, yeah. I am terrified of the ER. There are too many germs and I do not like germs. What's your favorite food? My favorite food? I don't know, probably, um, I really like, I really like chicken nuggets and french fries and cereal <laughs> and popsicles. Popsicles. And I like Mountain Dew, that's my favorite drink. Mountain Dew Baja Blast, always. This is a commercial for Mountain Dew Baja Blast. He's not sponsored. <laughs> but I would love to be an aide in like a special needs classroom for kindergartners. Yeah, it sounds like you have the right personality. Yeah. I love little kids. Like, um, I remember, oh yeah, and the interoceptive system. I was gonna talk about that because I don't know if anybody else has talked about that, but autism and getting signals from your body is, oh my God. So difficult sometimes, like I'm undersensitive. My, my internal sensory system is undersensitive. My external is oversensitive. So it's, a, autism is essentially an imbalance in your sensory system. Like that's the cleanest way I could possibly provide it, but you still leave a lot of stuff out even then. But um, for me, I have a very hard time telling when I'm hungry because I don't really feel it. I also have a hard time telling when I'm sick, which has led me to overworking myself on many occasions. I remember one time, especially when I was a junior in high school and I remember I had a headache and some dizziness and some body aches. And I was like, I probably didn't sleep good last night. That's probably what this is, even though it felt different than that. And then it turns out I actually had strep and an ear infection and a cold at the same time. And it was terrible. That sounds pretty horrible. Yeah, it was. And I didn't know until like um, two days after the symptoms started and I was like, oh, this is going to be fine. But it wasn't fine. I have multiple stories like that because and like I can go a really long time without eating too, which is not ideal. That's a daily struggle for me. Sometimes I won't know when I'm thirsty either. And temperature perception is also, I really am oversensitive to like feeling cold and I really don't like it. So I wear a hoodie literally all of the time. Air conditioning's too high, I will wear a hoodie. Plus, yeah, it's just become my security blanket after all these years. And I just love my hoodie so much. Yeah, I was just talking a few days ago about how even if I'm too hot at night, I still want to be covered by a blanket or something. It's like- Absolutely, 100%. I saw that. I have a weighted blanket, too. I, I use a weighted blanket at night. For, uh, I think it was the holidays or for one for one holiday, um, Jessica got me a, a weighted blanket from a company called Hush. Um that was it wasn't cheap but it's like cool so it's like a cool weighted blanket so i don't get overheated and i also have a uh, a texture issue with cotton and satin so also finding one that didn't have like that type of texture was very difficult but 
she went above and beyond and it, it's an amazing weighted blanket so good job jess all right here is our last question what is your favorite movie oh my god i don't watch movies i don't watch movies i don't watch movies but you watch tv shows because you talked about the good i doctor. love my tv shows yeah tell us about your favorite tv shows then um okay so i don't sit through movies but actually my favorite movie would be akron it's a gay movie about how two gay men had this unimaginable it reminds me of like it's just it's it's amazing it's it's it was the first gay movie i ever watched and i'm gay so huh. the representation but um my favorite tv shows are the simpsons bob's various family guy arthur and a few other like kids shows because i watch and medical documentaries like it every single thing but every single little specific thing like oh and malcolm in the middle is probably my favorite show of all time that was a fun one okay actually, i actually have one more question um, yeah since you are autistic and good at acronyms what old technology does p-o-t-s stand for i actually don't know plain old telephone system said so do you want to tell people i don't know if you're you want them to follow you or to find you online is there anywhere they can find you oh yeah they can um instagram is at seth the tenor and my my um service dog autism instagram is the dot torian like t-a-u-r-a-n as in my zodiac sign because being a taurus is also a part of my identity i was supposed to be a gemini I, I would have, it's a joke that I would have failed my gender reveal and my Zodiac reveal if we had one. I also attended my own baby shower. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I was born an entire month early and decided, I also busted out of the hospital way early too. Like, they're like, oh, we're going to keep him here for a whole month. And I was on a ventilator for like a day and a half or two days. Total fighter. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to. It to was an honor. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this was so much fun thank you this was an honor thank you so much be sure to send me the link so i can send it to people to watch and listen to we will thanks thank you you bye 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 bye